Hello, this is Rob Nesbitt, and this is the Nessie on Brass podcast. In this third edition of the podcast, I'm talking to Andy Smith, the principal cornet player with the Flowers Band from Gloucester, the recent winners of the Grand Shield. Before that, I would like to discuss guest blog posts. By that, I mean blog posts created by you. If you have a humorous or interesting tale to tell, please drop me an email via the Nezzy on Brass contact page. You may have a brass-related business that you want to promote, an interesting or innovative product, or simply a funny banding tale that you would like to share. If you have something that is suitable, I'll add a cartoon illustration or two to go with it. I'm also on the lookout for more material for the Brass Jokes page. If you know of a joke or yarn that makes people laugh, I'd love to hear from you. Smith is the principal cornet for the Flowers Band based in Gloucester. He is an extremely talented and well-respected player, having spent most of his career as principal cornet for various Salvation Army and brass bands. Andy has taken time out of his busy schedule to be with me today, so Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. You've had an unprecedented string of contest wins this year with Flowers Band. But before we discuss the recent successes, I'd like to take you back to where your banding career began, from a Salvation Army background. How old were you when you began playing, and who taught you to play? Well, Rob, I started playing at the age of seven, under the guidance of my father. Uh, he was, at the time, principal cornet player of the Grangetown Salvation Army Band, and through attending regular uh, Sunday meetings and listening and watching uh, my father playing in the band, I wanted to emulate that and uh, asked if uh, one day if I could learn how to play the cornet, to which he kindly uh, decided he would uh, pass on his uh, expertise to me and, and teach me uh, through from, from that young age. Uh, from there, I, I joined the Young People's Band uh, in the Grangetown Corps under the leadership of Jeff Harris and through him and the tuition of my father also um, gained in confidence and, and experience uh, to a point where I sort of surpassed what they felt they could teach me there. My father then put me uh, with a, a trumpet tutor who uh, is a guy called uh, Mr. Tom Proctor. I spent a couple of years under his tuition to which uh, I was then at a, a, an age where I could join the senior band within uh, the the Grangetown Corps, uh, and became uh, eventually became principal cornet there. Uh, whilst I was principal cornet at uh, uh, Grangetown, I was also playing with the South and Mid Wales Divisional Youth Band, which is made up of players from ranging from the age of thirteen to twenty one, and worked my way through the the ranks there uh, to eventually become principal cornet uh, of that band and. Um, Travelled the country, performing at many prestigious events. Uh, most memorable of those were the Wembley Conference Centre for the Territorial Youth Councils and uh, and various co- uh, concerts uh, and tours around the UK. So you were on principal cornet. Was that 
fairly quickly or did it take you some time to sort of progress from the back row to the front row and eventually the principal spot? Yeah, it took a little bit of time. Uh, I'm, it's, it's one of those things that it, different to maybe uh, contesting banding where you, you're sat in a seat based on your, your merit. Um, you have to work your way up, uh, usually in, 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 these, in the youth bands with uh, people getting older and moving on. Um, so it's, it took a little while, as you can imagine, to from the age of sort of 13. Um, I think I was about 17 by the time I uh, got to the principal cornet seat. Right. And obviously the, you spent a lot of time, uh, your initial career, with the Salvation Army bands, but then you jumped ship. Um, you went to mainstream banding. And who was your first band that you joined? Well, the first band I joined was the Thomas Coaches Mid Ronda uh, as the as the first contesting band. I spent a few years there, um, and I, I turned up to one rehearsal to see what it was all about. Um, played a few test pieces in the rehearsal, um, t pieces I'd never seen or heard before, which was interesting. And uh, uh, they they asked me if I would like to become a, a more regular member of the band um, and then within a couple of weeks I was attending my first contest uh, sat as principal corner of the band. Right so you basically went from principal to principal in your next band well I think that's that has been the pattern all the way through your uh, banding career so after Midron though who was next who was the next band that you joined? Well some friends of mine uh, from the Salvation Army background were playing with uh, another band um, by the name of uh, Kalenin Colliery Band in, in based in Newbridge. And I again I got asked to attend a couple of uh, rehearsals to, to help out. Uh, and having uh, experienced that rehearsal uh, under um, Paul Holland and uh, back with some friends and made some uh, reacquaintances of people I hadn't seen for a little while, um, I decided to uh, jo join that band um and uh, and carried on there for another four or five years it's strange this uh, helping out other bands i mean i've done it myself you go over and suddenly um a, a transfer form suddenly appears out of somebody's back pocket was that the case um not necessarily it didn't happen straight away i did help out a couple of times and um you know got got to uh, know a few of the people in in the band uh, and and that aided with you know, making these reacquaintances of people I hadn't seen for, for a little while uh, from the Salvation Army days, uh, that uh, it just made sense. So uh, after a, a few weeks um, of consideration, I decided to put pen to paper, as you say, and sign that little transfer form. Yeah, well, I think you made the right move there because Newbridge, they had unprecedented success under Paul Allen going from, I think it was the fourth section, in consecutive years up to the uh, championship section and along the way they won the second section title of uh, Great Britain the national title in I believe it was in 2007 I should know this because I was part of the band I was going to say you, you were part of that uh, journey Rob it's, uh, it was an exciting time um, plenty of contest wins and to see the band go from where they were um, with uh, players coming in and improvements and the band playing really well uh, it was it was a great journey um, and and from there I guess my next move was uh, to to flowers um, 
there seems to be a common theme uh, with with that move in, in that um, uh, Paul Holland was appointed uh, the uh, musical director of Flowers Band um, from his post at uh, Newbridge. And uh, I guess it was part of my decision making to uh, to join the band, uh, having spent you know, a few successful years as principal corner under Paul. Uh, it was a, it seemed like the right move. It uh, certainly was. It seems to be a pattern then. So you went to Flowers and it wasn't long, obviously, before you ended up on the, the principal position, which you've held to, to date very successfully. Going back to people who have influenced you, I mean, your father was obviously, uh, he had a huge impact upon you. But are there any others who have influenced you along the way? Yeah, apart from the the, the people I've already mentioned uh, with... Um, you know, my father and uh, Tom Proctor, Paul Holland's been a massive influence. Um, I think that's helped having consistency of musical director. Um, you get to know each other um, on and off the field of play, so to speak. And he's um, been been a big part of my uh, development as as a player. Uh, and um, notably a few other corner players that uh, I've sat next to throughout the years, uh, Jeff Fear and my current um, bumper up, uh, Di Hale. Uh, I've learned so much off those guys. Uh, it's um, you know it's untrue. Jeff Jeff has played for Corey, Tradiga, some of the top bands, and Dave Ailes played for uh, Black Dyke Mills and I think Sellers. So right. yeah, I mean their influence, knowledge, and experience is bound to help you in your advance your career. Okay. okay, Flowers Band have had their best start to a season ever with wins at Butlins, Yeovil. The area finals and more recently the Grand Shield where you were awarded the Soloist Prize for the second year in succession which is a fantastic achievement. Thank you. Could you tell me about the first three wins? Uh, we'll come back to the Grand Shield later in the programme. I understand you've broken a few records along the way for the first three. Yes, uh, the first uh, win uh, of the year was back in January for the Butlins uh, Mine Workers Championships. And uh, that takes place over two days with a, a set test piece uh, on the Saturday and then an entertainment programme on the Sunday. So it's a, a, a long weekend of banding, but a, a really exciting uh, and worthwhile event. Um, band played really well. Uh, we, we played Robert Simpson's Energy, which is not an easy test piece. I know, I've played it myself. It isn't. A uh, few tricky solos in there and uh, and some uh, very... Um, technical passages. Um, the band performed really well and uh, that really set us up for, for the rest of the year uh, with the entertainment programme and of course this year uh, with Dave Charles um, winning the Soloist Prize and uh, playing superbly. Uh, it, it was uh, it set us up like I say for the, for the rest of the year and we've seemed to have carried that on. The first two wins, fantastic. But as I said, you've broken a record now in the area win as well. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, uh, well, th there's been a couple of records this year. The The second contest of the year w was the Yeovil contest. So we completed our first hat-trick mm -hmm. uh, of, of wins there uh, this year. And that uh, was the second win of the year, um, which then set us up nicely for the area uh, in confidence and, and I think that's important to, to state really that it's all about the, the confidence of the band 
you know, you, you, you get on a bit of a crest of a wave and uh, it makes life a little bit easier. Um, so we went into the area, we're full of confidence uh, and, and that uh, was our hat-trick of, uh, of West of England area um, wins. Okay, you've also had a very busy period in March uh, for the production of Brastoff at the Everyman Theatre in Cheltenham. How did that come about and what was it like treading the boards with Flowers Band? Because I know you like the limelight. <laughs> it was a really good experience, something different. Uh, I've done a, a, an amateur um, production of Brastoff with uh, Thomas Coach's Midromva a number of years ago. Um, but this was a, a professional um, production with uh, um, some quite well-known stars. John McArdle from um, used to be in Brookside. Um, there's, there was people in, in, the, in the cast from various TV shows. Um, and it was just a fantastic experience. How it quite quite how it came about, I don't know. That's uh, that's down to band management is is that one. But we we really enjoyed the full week. So there were were um, seven shows over the week, and uh, the band really got into it and enjoyed being part of the acting. Uh, and and it was something different for I think some of the audience members having a live band playing the music um, and interacting and mixing with the actors. Um, but both on and off the stage, it was a fantastic experience, but it was really busy, but, but enjoyable. So with those wins as well, because uh, I believe in the play is uh, to do with winning the national. That's right, yeah. So in total then this year, the band has actually won how many? <laughs> if you well, seven, those... <laughs> seven national titles. <laughs> uh, plus, plus the others, but um, yeah, it, it was like the... the, the um, if only the test piece at the Nationals was the William Tell overture yeah. <laughs> every year. <laughs> well, I wouldn't like to be in the box if it was. No. There have been situations in banding where something has happened out of the ordinary that sets you off laughing. It's happened to me many times. Has anything really cracked you up during a band job? I remember one particular concert, which was a, a remembrance concert. Um, the band were performing along with you know, sort of band choir, school, choir and all the veterans um when it came to the act of remembrance i'd, I'd been pre pre-concert asked to uh play the last post and, and revalley during the uh act of remembrance and when it came to the sort of we will remember them and for me to stand up and play last post i stood up lifted my cornet took a breath and all of a sudden there was a, a bit of some kerfuffle in the corner and three veterans jumped up to attention um with bugles and if they had one bugle that worked between them i think was <laughs> was uh, um they were lucky um this noise sounded out like of an elephant trying to play through a hose pipe i think is oh. the only way you can describe <laughs> it um it turns out they'd also been asked to play the last post um so it was a little bit of a surprise i caught my breath sort of slowly sat back down and um the band themselves you know started you could see a few shoulders starting to shrug and uh and uh people ducking behind the stands because they were starting to laugh and anyway long story short the uh the 
this eventually set the whole band off and including the conductor um, to a point where I think he just lost completely where he was and ended up bringing in the band for a march um, for all the veterans to march out to. But it was halfway through the, the prayer for the remembrance service. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can imagine we, we, um, we're playing away and, and the vicar's pulling on the trouser leg of, of the conductor to ask him to try and stop. And it all fell apart and we all couldn't hold ourselves in in, in, in laughter. Oh dear. Not, I guess you had not, to be there to see that one. Yeah, not not exactly the type of event to do it in either, is it? No, it's no, I think really that's probably, Yeah, I think that's probably why it was um a little bit more comical than what it should have been. <laughs> uh talking of uh, disasters or things that have gone wrong, is there, have there been any really embarrassing moments that make you cringe during your career? Um, I don't really think so. Uh Apart from forgetting my shoes uh, for a contest one day and having to go in in, uh, in, in a pair of um, white socks, I think that's probably probably oh no, <laughs> that's probably the most embarrassing thing really for me. Yeah, the old white socks. Yeah, I've, I think my most cringeworthy experience was playing Golden Slumbers a cornet solo, uh, which I am sure was written especially for exceedingly nervous seven-year-old children in school assembly. Uh, it was back in school. The headmaster had asked me to do it. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, more recently in New Zealand, I was the best man at my brother Mike's wedding in Auckland. Uh, I was determined to have a blow with the top flight New Zealand band while I was out there. Barry Thomas, when new from Commandment Band, had emigrated and joined the Waiter Kid Band in Auckland. Uh, he had invited me to the rehearsal. My normal instrument is flugel, and I'd not practiced for over three weeks because I'd been out there for a while. The uh, musical director gave me a cornet and asked where I wanted to sit. I suggested third cornet, and he counter-suggested bumper up because the bumper up wasn't there that night. <laughs> now, as you know, my sight reading is appalling, and apart from playing one of the hymns in the inbox, I sat like a rabbit in the headlights as the band glided through several pieces uh, I'd never seen. Most were jazzy-type syncopation, and I could feel people's eyes burning as I mind bluffed, bludgeoned and blushed my way through each piece for two hours. <laughs> I'm privileged to say that I had a blow with a truly great brass band on the other side of the earth, but whenever I think about it, I inwardly cringe. It was horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Many brass bands lose a lot of rehearsal time due to players' poor timekeeping. I think if you added up all the wasted time together in a year waiting for rehearsal to start, it would be staggering. My own thoughts are that conductors should start on time regardless of who's missing, to put more pressure on players to get to band early to start on the button. I always had a thing about band starting on time. It used to drive me up the wall when players came ambling through the door late or didn't turn up at all. What's the best excuse you've ever heard from a player who's either late or didn't turn up? Well, the best excuse happened Probably uh, not not so um, long ago, uh, around about bonfire night uh, last year, and the excuse was um, quite an original one actually. Um, I've never heard it, but uh, uh, I might put it in my little book. Um, a certain bumper up who shall remain nameless um, texts the uh, the band manager at the day of the rehearsal. Uh, saying I won't be attending band tonight. I had a bonfire party last night and an ember 
floated up from the fire and landed on my lip and burnt my lip. Which, <laughs> completely original, as far as I was concerned. No, so, I, haven't uh, heard, I haven't heard that one before. No, um, <laughs> but that, that one is, is number 102 for the 101 book, I think. <laughs> Excuses. Uh, so over your career, you've been involved in some great contest performances. Which ones stand out for you the most? Well, obviously, most recently, the uh, uh, the, the performance at the Grand Shield, um, playing Alderley Edge, great piece of music. Um, one I've never played before, but heard many times. That was um, probably the most uh, recent standout uh, performance. Uh, but pre previously to that, uh, I think um, back a couple of years ago at the national finals with Flowers again, playing uh, Breath of Souls by uh, Paul Everett Cooper, a uh, particularly good performance from from the band. Two two performances I'll uh, always remember. Yeah, it was a good performance, the one in London. I, I was there watching it, and a great piece of music as well, especially for the, uh, the crowd watching. Okay, talking of great performances, if you could jump in a time machine, is there a live performance you would like to go back to, uh, maybe be in the audience? I think not particularly one performance of any piece, but more of a an, an era uh, I'd like to go back and visit, um, w which is the, the sort of Bellevue uh, contests where, you know, they were attended by what seems like thousands of people looking at old photographs and seeing old clips uh, uh, um, of of the, those days of the contest. Uh, just if nothing else, but just for the atmosphere to go back and experience what it was like and and to see you know and, and hear the old the the bands how they were you know back in the day so to speak yeah I'm, I'm totally with you on that i think that era there seemed to be more enthusiasm for people to come and watch bands and it must have been a great feeling to be playing in a contest with so many people watching you obviously love playing and being involved in the whole brass band experience but is there anything you dislike about brass bands I don't think it's any particular like dislike about brass bands. Uh, it, it, the only thing that does it is a little bit of a pet hate of mine. Brass bands trying to play swing. Uh, we're good at many things: slow melodies, technical, fast pieces. Uh, but uh, being a bit of a slave to the stave myself, uh, I think um, sometimes uh, listening to a brass band that's trying to play swing music, it doesn't always work. Yeah. Uh, leave, leave that to the swing orchestras, I think. <laughs> yeah. And on the other end of the scale, I know you love stand-up solos. Which ones are your favourites? And are there any that give you the eebie-jeebies? Yeah, there's many favourites um, from my years of playing, uh, predominantly in the Salvation Army uh, repertoire. Um, the solos tend to be quite long and, and uh, full of great tunes. Um, most notably, uh, solos like Golden Slippers, um, Happy Day, uh, a really taxing cornered solo called Tucker. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed playing those um, numerous times. I think Tucker is the one which uh, is probably the hardest uh, of, of those and, and in terms of technicality. And that one uh, can get the old heart rate pulsing when you uh, have to stand up and play that one and but generally I, I do enjoy being on my feet and and um you know taking part in concerts or, or contests even uh as as a soloist yeah 
So the end chair and stand-up solos are not for the faint-hearted. Do you suffer at no. all with nerves? And if so, how do you manage to keep you cool when the spotlight is on you? It's a tricky one. You know, the, the, there's especially in a contest uh, arena that there's plenty of pressure on on the bands uh, themselves. But uh, if there's a particularly um, big solo passage in 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 the piece, then uh, you know you you sort of got to try and keep yourself calm. Because you know you've got 27, 28 other people relying on you. Um, but generally, it's just about keeping calm, um, making sure that everything is done at a steady pace throughout the day. So keeping the heart rate down, making sure that uh, you know you're, you're relaxing and not doing anything too strenuous before the contest itself, and just uh, just mentally, I think preparing as well is is important. Um, Realising that. You know, you've been in this situation before, looking back at your past successes, um, realising that, you know, you, you've you've played solos and you've stand, stood up in concerts before. Um, so just trusting in your own instinct, really, and your own ability. Yeah. You're lucky. I was on and off of my nerves. I remember once in the Albert Hall, the test piece was Bourgeois Concerto Number no. 1. And at the time, I was playing Tridiga, with Tridiga on Flugel and... It is a huge solo in the middle. It's not difficult. It's just quite long, exposed, and I've never been so scared in my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's still. Yeah. Sometimes now I think about it, and it has me screaming for my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go to the next contest, and you find it's a weird thing. But um, yeah, experience, I suppose, does take a massive uh, role in calming you down because you've done it before. Yeah, it does. Uh, and like I say, looking back on your past experiences uh, and realising that you've been in that situation, I tend to get um, more nervous waiting around, to be honest, uh, to go on and perform. But once I'm actually on stage, the the, the sort of anticipation uh, of, of getting onto stage and starting to play is, is done with and, and uh, settled down from there, really. Yeah. Adjudication systems have been debated since contests began. And there's always some newfangled idea in the media. Have you an alternative method that you think would work at contests? <laughs> Probably a little bit of a wacky method, to be honest. Um, many possibilities with that question, Rob. Uh, maybe something like, uh, I don't know, a, a, one of these Anton Deck Saturday night TV type uh, <laughs> um, scenarios. Um, maybe bands take the stage adjudicators you know with a big x factor style button each um instead instead of the dreaded dreaded buzzer like many of these saturday daytime or saturday evening tv um programs how about the bands getting gunged off stage rather than... <laughs> <laughs> well it probably increased the crowd watching no, it'd be it would, yeah, more it interesting would. i wouldn't like to be playing though no, no, maybe just the conductor then, the band get away with it. <laughs> no, that would be good. Yeah. Or even the adjudicator. Uh, yeah. Right, Flowers recently won the Grand Shield contest at Blackpool, and you were awarded the Solace Prize. It's one of the hardest contests to win. I know that myself after being involved in it many times. You must have been delighted with that after trying so hard for several years. Did you feel like you were in with a good chance directly after you'd played? Well, as you know, the, the band have um, been in the Grand Shield now for six six years. It was the sixth attempt at uh, getting back into the Open. 
Um, and each year, the band has grown in strength and and uh, ability. Um, and like you say, it is it is definitely the hardest competition to qualify from. Uh, we 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 felt that we were in with a good shout. Uh, that the band had been working hard and, and on the back of the earlier mentioned contest wins, we seemed to be on a bit of a crest of a wave. So we we went into the competition with high hopes, um, but realistic hopes. And um, with, with, the, with the win, we were just simply ecstatic. And, you know, you need a little bit of luck in that competition um, with uh, uh, play. You, you've got to go and play well. Um, that's that's for starters, and then you know a little bit of luck with maybe the draw uh, to 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 get noticed, I suppose, because um, it's, it's a big field of bands, and and we um, we we were sort of favoured this year, which was great. What was it like as they read out the results, and especially your soloist prize, which you've won for the second year in succession? Well, it, as you can imagine, we sat there and, and uh, as a band and waiting for the results and they sort of do the other sections first um so nerves increasing uh in anticipation as as you you're sat and waiting and the first the first thing they announce for the the grand shield is is the soloist prize and um you know to hear my name called for the second year in a row um was well i was I went a little bit numb to be honest because I wasn't particularly expecting it uh, as as you, I was you know in a field of um, very accomplished and, and well recognized soloists on the day so that was uh, you know it was very humbling actually to to have my name called out for that uh, but um, you know that sort of set the nerves jangling a little bit more because we we, we picked up the soloist prize last year and uh, unfortunately it didn't favour with the adjudicators in terms of the final result. Uh, so we were hoping it wasn't a repeat of, of the previous year. Um, but when when the, the, the band were, were called as, um, you know, being in first place, we, we just went bonkers. It was... <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. It, there, was, there was an element of, of surprise, um, relief. I suppose having sort of sort of tried for the last uh, few years to qualify, um, and with with the you know the, the the band playing so well, we 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 were just over the moon. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you're in a very good position now uh, as far as the open goes, and I I think because uh, it's always a task to try and stay within the open and not get demoted back to the Grand Shield. But I feel that you're in a very good position, a very strong band at the moment. After the relief of securing the top spot in the Grand Shield, I've no doubt there were plenty of celebrations going on. Yes, as you can imagine, there were um, quite a few ecstatic people. Um, we were all together. We all just partied long into the night, I guess. <laughs> uh, there was a few sore heads, I think, the next day. Yeah. What time did you manage to get to bed? I, well, it was fairly late. Um, my mother might be listening, so I can't say. <laughs> Finally, if you had a time machine and could go back to the uh, young Smithy at the start of his career, what advice would you give yourself? I think the advice I'd give myself is that uh, to enjoy the playing, uh, even in the, the pressure situations, and remember that it's uh, only a only a hobby. 
and we uh, it's a hobby that we spend a lot of dedication and time and effort uh, trying to perfect and to just really enjoy it uh, i think sometimes we can get a bit too caught up in the the, the most serious uh, side of of contesting and banding but at the end of the day it's uh, it's something to be enjoyed and uh, i think i'd give myself that advice and and something else i'd probably uh, mention to myself it would be to be uh, better at sight reading uh, you mentioned earlier uh, something I, I i also have a problem with I, I can't sight read for toffee, so um, it, it takes a lot of lot of work, and maybe uh, maybe have a word with myself uh, about that in preparation for later years. Yeah, that's great. An unbelievable track record for you as a player, and your band flowers this year. Hope you do well in the Open and the National. Perhaps another soloist prize on the shelf. Anyway, Andy, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure. In the next episode, Nigel Seaman is back in the hot seat and discusses a truly remarkable business. It was born out of lending percussion and has now developed into an expanding business that all brass banders in the UK and in some parts of Europe will know well. Adrian Evan of Events discusses the niche business that he has developed in the world of percussion and stage management at our major contests and other prestigious venues such as the Glastonbury Festival. So, thanks for listening to this episode and catch you on the next podcast.